When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A look at Leon Dreisaitl's game log for the 2017-18 National Hockey League season is akin to riding a roller coaster. For stretches, he can be riding high and scoring a point or better each game. That would be followed by a string of games in which he fails to put up any points. The Edmonton Oilers forward scored points in four games in late October, then had none in four of the next five, followed by five and four, then two and six, another five and four, then another two and six. On and on it's gone. Dreisaitl is the top paid player on this season's Oilers roster. His eight-year contract worth $8.5 million a season began in the fall. There are expectations he will score regularly. And while he's close to averaging a point per game this year, the Peaks and Valleys rhythm is rather inconsistent. Keep in mind though, Dreisaitl is still rather young. At 22, he's in his third full season in the NHL. And he's been playing with a seemingly ever-changing cast of linemates, including his latest right winger, Pontus Auberg, a recent addition to the Oilers lineup. Auberg and Ty Ratty, an Oilers call-up from their Bakersfield, California farm team, have been getting top six forward minutes recently, trying to show Oilers management and coaches what they're capable of doing when given a chance to play with the team's best players. I'm Craig Ellingson. I talked to Oilers beat writer Rob Tichkowski from Ottawa about these topics. Tichkowski's been on the road with the team during its recent road trip in the East. This is the Oil Spills Podcast for March 22nd, 2018. Rob, you wrote a story today about Leon Dreisaitl, about how he's been a streaky player this year. Uh, he'll go a few games where he's averaging a point a game or better, and then there'll be a spell of games where he's gone cold. He might only get one or two points, say, in a six-game stretch or so. Uh, we've seen we've seen that all year, uh, up and down, hot and cold. That's what you know. You wrote about that today. Now, it wasn't necessarily the case last year, was it? No, he was. He was more. He was, the whole team was, was was much more consistent last season. You know, of course, it was a year where everything went perfectly for them. This year, uh, he, you know, even though the points look pretty close, like he's, you know, sixty six through seventy three games, which is not far off the seventy seven and eighty two we had last year. But if you if you take a look at it, there have been a lot of a lot of stretches where he just explodes for a whole bunch of points in uh, you know a one game span, like as was the case in Carolina or a 
three or four game span, which which is fantastic. But there have also been a lot of four and five game stretches where he hasn't produced much of anything. And uh, in the NHL, you have to be more consistent than that. You have to uh, you have to be bringing something to the table uh, every night. So it's, it's it's great to score four points in Carolina, but in the six games before that, he had just uh, I think a couple of assists. So it. it uh, you know, he'll be the first to tell you that he would rather be more consistent than streaky like he has been, even though the numbers kind of will look like uh, they'll even out in the end to last year. There's a couple of things I think about when I think about dry subtle, you know, and what he's going through this year with the with the streaky scoring we're talking about. It's his role. Um, you know, he has played on a line with Connor McDavid this year, but, you know, obviously the Oilers want him to, you know, center his own line. And that was the case last year as well. And obviously when the two play in the power play, uh, that's a bit of a different story. But he's not playing on McDavid's wing. He hasn't been for the last few games. Last year he did play a a lot on the top line with McDavid. Plus there's the added uh, rub of the the Oilers power play being ranked at the bottom of the league. Well, definitely. That's what's killing him and McDavid in terms of, uh, you know, McDavid would be running away from the scope scoring race if the others had just just a half decent power play and, and the same with dry cycle i mean if Edmonton's power play was was anything he, he would have you know he would be probably ahead of last year's point but but the, the, that's the problem the power play has been so bad this year and you can't just dismiss it as that because the power play is important and there are key ingredients on it so you know if, if they're not getting any points on the power play you can't say well you know give them a break they're not getting any points on the power play they're the guys that have to make the power play work and and just for the entire season uh, it hasn't been happening. So, and that's uh, you know, special teams. When they look back at the season at the end of the year, special teams is going to be the primary reason that they're going to miss the playoffs again after the success they had last year. You know, and as with uh, you know every line on this team, you know whether you're on the top line with McDavid or down, down you know through lines two, three, and four, there have been you know obviously Todd McClellan, the head coach, has been mixing the lines a lot. I mean. It's not as though Drysdale has been playing on the regular with, you know, this left winger and this right winger. He's had a, a ever-changing cast of characters, and the same goes for the top line with McDavid as well. That must play a factor too. I think so. There, there aren't a lot of really talented wingers on this team. But, like, let's face it; it's not like he's Kucherov and has Stamkos to play to play on his line, right? It, it's once you get past McDavid and, and Drysdale, there isn't a whole bunch there. So. You know, they're, they're, you know, it just means that they have to work a little harder and get a little bit more done. And as far as you know, playing with McDavid, I know they like to play on the same line. Uh, but on the other hand, if you're on a second line, that means you're going to get slightly easier matchups. So it's six or one and a half a dozen. Yes, you can play with the greatest player in the world, but that means you're going to spend the entire game against the other team's top line and the other team's top defense pairing. Whereas if uh, that did the case in Carolina, where they split them up. You know, they focus all their attention on McDavid, and then you get, you know, a weaker matchup that you should be able to take advantage of. And, and that's what he did in that game. And in Drysettle's case, he's now a guy who's making $8.5 million a year, which is, which that's, that's big time money. And with that comes the responsibility that you have to produce. You know, if you sign that contract and if you make that money, you can't just say, oh, I'm just a regular guy here. You're not anymore. You're, you're being paid to be an elite player in the league and elite players in the league find a way to deliver on a, on a very productive, very consistent basis. And he's, he hasn't been bad. Like um, nobody's making it sound like he's been bad, but there have been stretches where he, where you really don't notice him. 
and you shouldn't be saying that uh, about a guy who's making eight and a half a year. You know, when I think about that, I mean, obviously this is the year his contract kicked in. This really, this is Dreisaitl's third full season in the NHL. You know, his first year uh, on his uh, entry-level deal, he obviously wasn't producing. He was, you know, obviously a lot like we, we see Jesse Pugliarvi right now. He's finding his place. He No one really knows where he was supposed to be in year one. The season after he established himself, after starting off in the AHL, as a full-time NHL player. I mean, this is just the times, isn't it? After his entry-level contract is up, he, he gets the big payday based on his you know, play last year, the 77 points in 82 games. But he's 22 years old. Oh, uh, most definitely. Like he, like, like I said, he's only, he's only 22, and he's, he's not, you know, people are kind of looking at him, you know, because he's this, you know, man-child that he, you know, he's six feet and six, two or three and, you know, 215 pounds, and, and as big and strong as he is, they think, oh, okay, he's, you kind of view him almost like he's 25 or 26 or 27, and he's been around here for a long time. He's really just, just got into the league, basically, and he has improved every year uh, except this one and, and this is the year where everybody took a giant step backwards so it was hard for for anybody to to improve on on last season but like nobody's saying in, in two or three or four years if he keeps trending up the way he had been up until this season he's he's going to be a scary player and that he, and people will be saying that eight and a half is a is a bargain because as, as you can see in that carolina game and in a lot of other games this year he can be a dominating force and once he gets rolling and gets the momentum and the Oilers surround him with, you know, some better players and, and some more offensive defensemen uh, that they can get in line with what the other teams in the league are doing, you know, there's nobody doesn't think that he's going to be everything that they expected him to be. This isn't like this isn't a guy that you have to worry about not being an elite top player in the league for the next 10 years. He's going to be that. It's just sort of to what degree, and it's up to the Oilers to to help him, right? This 22-year-old kid, and you're saying, okay, go out there and do it yourself with a bunch of, uh, you know, wingers that aren't very good, frankly. So, you know, it's up to the organization to help him get there, too. And I can't help but think, even though there aren't a lot of teams like them in the NHL, or at least the historic example of the Detroit Red Wings of their most recent vintage, um, you know, where they, you know, for that 25-year period or however long they made the playoffs and were consistently... You know, among the top third in the in the league and making the playoffs, but you know the example of you have an established team and you're able to you know gradually bring players into the fold and have that veteran core in place while you train the next core. You know, the, the Oilers don't have that. A lot of teams don't have that, and maybe because of the salary cap now, that's a hard thing to do to have you know your star veterans bringing along and you know mentoring the young vet the young core that will eventually replace them i mean obviously the orders don't have that they have dry Seidel and mcdavid as their top two players and they're 21 and 22 years old yeah yeah and that's i know they most teams do have it and should have it you should have some veterans leading the way and then younger players that come up through your organization that that learn you know the culture of the team and the culture of the nhl and, and what they expect from 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 new players and a lot of teams have it the others don't because of just the the massive turnover that they've had over the years i mean the last group of veteran players that they had in that situation was frankly after the 2006 cup run when they had the horkoff and ethan morrow and 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 those types they were the ones that would come in and kind of establish the culture and, and what 
the, the organization was looking for and help players kind of learn the right way and and eventually uh, those players were were moved on and then there was nobody left there was the, the the veterans you know in very short order hall and everly were two of the longest serving oilers which was which was crazy because they you know, just they were draft picks that just got here so there hasn't been and there isn't now really that culture of veteran players to kind of uh help players along i mean lucic is here but he's having his own struggles and you know and then it as it stands now, the best players on the team are 21 and 22. So I think you're going to be in this waiting situation where, you know, in short order, you know, Connor McDavid will be, you know, a six-year veteran and he'll be, you know, 24, 25 years old and Dreisaitl will be, you know, 26 or whatever. And, and then they'll be the guys for the next things will sort of be back, back to a normal organization where they're the veterans. And when you come in, you look to see what they do and how they are. And, and they're going to be the, the, you know, the leaders, well, they are the leaders now, but it's the difference between being a 21-year-old leader and a 25, 26-year-old leader. How do I pronounce Pontus's last name? Is it Auberg or Aberg? Because that Swedish A with the little circle on top, it throws me off. I think it was Aberg. Aberg. Yep. Okay, now I have it in my mind. Pontus Aberg and Ty Ratty are currently, at least for the last few games, and never mind Auberg's, you know, two games in the press box for missing practice in Florida. Um, they're serving as the top two lines as right-wingers. Rowdy on the first line with McDavid, Aberg with Dreisaitl on the second line. Now, we're on a, you know, the orders are in evaluation and audition mode uh, for the rest of the season, have been for, a few, you know, quite a few games now when it became obvious they weren't making the playoffs. Um, and we're seeing some production from these two players, you know, and I think about Ty Rowdy, you know, uh, a reclamation project on the orders part. They brought him in Signed him to a contract this past off season, and he's been playing in Bakersfield in the AHL for the most part all season long. And now he's getting a sniff in the NHL. He's 25 years old, and he's putting up points. Mind you, he is playing with Connor McDavid, the top player in the AHL, arguably. But what do you make of the Oilers' experimentation? Bring you know, putting that player in that position as opposed to say Yessi Pulleyarvi, who is you know, the top draft pick from two years ago and, you know, potentially slated to play in the top six if he if he blossoms the right way. Yeah, I, I, I don't mind it. It, it is an, it's somewhat an, an experimental phase, and, and you want to you want to see what – you know Pugliarvi's going to be here next year. You know he's in the picture. You know he's part of the – he's part of the plan going forward for – they would – assume a long time they, 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 they think that one day he could step in and be you know third or fourth guy on that depth, depth chart with McDavid and Dreisaitl you know he's going to be here and you know that you know he'll come back next year slightly better but you don't know about you don't know about Ty Ratty you have a guy in the minors who's you know lighting up that league so you, you want to see like over the summer should we be penciling this guy in or what, what do we really have here so 
I don't think it hurts to take a look at them. Like too many times, you know, the Oilers will look at other organizations. And they'll call a guy up from the minors who's you know in his mid twenties or whatever, and they'll say, "Wow, you know, how come we don't have any guys that that uh, that make the jump from the AHL to the National Hockey League?" So give the guy an honest look in a in a top six position. For years, the Oilers, when they did call up their leading guy from the American League, they put him on the third or fourth line and play him you know, nine or ten minutes and then say, oh, nothing here, and then send them back. I, I like that they're giving a guy who's, you know, was a top six forward down there, top six minutes up here. And then you can, you know, it, it's it's still garbage time to some ex- to some extent. You know, there's the pressure's off now. They don't have to worry about, you know, making the playoffs. But they're still playing teams with a, with a lot on the line, and, and the others are still, like, to their credit, showing up for it. So you can see, you know, to some extent what this guy is all about. I know that this summer is when, you know, the decisions will really be made and it's all going to depend on who they sign and what they do and and the rest of it. But, you know, if, if they have a really good idea what Ty Ratty is, you know, you, it's better to make an informed decision than to just say, well, we, you know, he hasn't played much in the NHL, so let's just dismiss him or pencil him in without really having a look at what he could do. Like, they're going to get an answer on the guy and that's that's what you should be doing at, at this point in time. And same with, with Pontus Aberg too, you know, just find out what you have so you go into the summer able to make the hard decisions. And I would imagine that a general manager, when he's, you know, plucking the likes of Ty Rowdy or Pontus Berg, you know, whether as a free agent or in a trade, I can't help but think you're hoping, hey, maybe this guy can live up to, to his potential and maybe he'll surprise us. Yeah, for sure. Like, the, the guy scored, you know, his whole life and he's, he's putting up a, uh, well, Rowdy, in Rowdy's case, He's generated offenses his whole life. You know, why not see if he can do it with a, with a decent player up here? And Pontus, you know, like we've said before, I mean, the fact that Nashville didn't uh, sort of close, close the chapter on him makes you wonder. But uh, he, he looked okay in that last game, playing a little bit guilty, and, and, and you never know. See, he was, uh, you know, Nashville liked something originally when they drafted him. They're a smart organization, so sometimes it just takes uh, – a new lease on life, a new location, and new surroundings, and, and you kind of uh, uh, come around as a player. So it'll be interesting to see what he can do down the stretch. That's our Oil Spills podcast for today. You can listen to our show via iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. I'm Craig Ellingson. Talk to you soon.